Hi guys, welcome. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. You should have heard the blooper that we just had to bust the show for and retake. Apparently I struggle with speaking English, even though that's what I do for a living right here on the show. So an article that I just read really got my goat, if you will. I don't think I've ever felt, or I haven't in recent history felt as huffy after reading an article as I felt after reading this one. The New York Times truly is a garbage outlet, which we knew, but this is a whole different level. So what I want to talk about on the show today is this article, this New York Times article that is targeting, this is the title of it. Let me bring up the exact title. Maternal instinct is a myth that men created is the title of that article. So I want to talk about that article. It is the most anti-woman article that I have ever read. It's The content of it is actually more misogynistic than many rap songs. It is disgusting. I want to debunk some of the lines that are especially pernicious just to make sure that these don't become prevalent in our society. Also, the MTV Video Music Awards just happened, and they haven't they had an obvious agenda included in their awards show that was aimed towards kids. And let's just say this agenda rhymed with bloomer. Yes, that's right. The MTV Muse, uh, Video Music Awards. They're they're essentially grooming kids here. So what these two things, the New York Times article and the MTV movie uh, or Video Music Awards, what they have in common, that's what I really want to talk about today. Also, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, click the subscribe button. On YouTube, you can find me at Liz Wheeler Show. Hit the subscribe button over there. Um, also on YouTube, hit the bell so that we can notify you every time a new episode drops or we have a new video for you. Let's dig into this. All right. I love Cozy Earth because it has been so hot lately. I've been having trouble sleeping through the heat. I know I'm not alone in this. Let me ask you, how did you sleep last night? If you answered this question, well, not so great or eh, just okay, or please don't ask. Well, you are not alone, my friend. One out of every three Americans report being sleep deprived and your sheets could be part of the problem. That's why I like cozy earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. You know exactly the feeling that I'm talking about, especially in the heat of the summer. There's a solution to this though. It's called cozy earth sheets. They are the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows Cozy Earth sheets to breathe. So you sleep at the perfect temperature. Cozy Earth even offers a 100-night sleep trial, which means that you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it. Wash it, try it out. If you are not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth bamboo bedding. That's 35%. That's a good deal. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry. The offer ends soon. That's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so let's start here. We'll get to the New York Times article in just a minute here. But let's start with the MTV Video Music Awards that happened this past weekend. There was such a clear agenda that was different from anything that we've seen from the MTV VMA Awards before. It was maybe the MTV's most pernicious secret that suddenly, as of this weekend, is no longer a secret. They've just thrust it, thrust it at kids, thrust it upon the scene here. And I want to start by showing what happened at these awards. So Dove Cameron is a young star in Hollywood. In fact, Dove Cameron is a Disney star, which will come as no surprise to you. If you're not familiar with this girl, 
that's okay. All you need to know, I will tell you right now. So she was a Disney star. In 2021, she came out as, and I'm quoting her here, super queer, not just gay, not lesbian, not LGBTQ, super queer, not exactly sure what that means. She had a hit song this year called Boyfriend, which she calls an overtly queer song. Now, what she means by that is it's about a girl hitting on a girl. These are some of the lyrics of her song, Boyfriend. I can't believe we're finally alone. I can't believe I almost went home. What are the chances everyone's dancing and he's not with you? The universe must have divined this. What am I gonna do? Not grab your wrist? I could be a better boyfriend than him. I could do the bleep that he never did. Up all night, I won't quit. Thinking I'm gonna steal you from him. I would be such a gentleman, plus all my clothes would fit. I could be a better boyfriend. I don't need to tell you twice. All the ways he can't suffice. If I could give you some advice, I would leave with me tonight. The universe must have divined this. So the premise of this song is that she's a girl. She wants to steal another girl from the girl's boyfriend. This song was wildly popular, wildly popular. And Dove Cameron won an MTV Video Music Award for this. This was how she went on stage. And this is what she said. This is who she dedicated the win to. I'm I'm so floored. I'm so moved. Um, this is so wild to be up here with so many artists that I worship. These are some of my all-time favorite artists up here. Um, I uh, this year has been so wild, and I have no explanation for it except um, that I have you guys to thank. I know that. Um, I want to dedicate this uh, to all of the queer kids out there. don't feel that they can take up space um, and, and inhabit the fullness of who they are. Thank you for getting an overtly queer song onto mainstream radio. Um, <laughs> thank you for supporting me as the person and the artist that I am. I hope that um, in that way you've also given that same privilege to yourself. I love you so much. Thank you, MTV. Thank you, Columbia Records. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so in the one minute that she spoke into that microphone, what did she do? She thanked queer kids, but not not because they did something for her. She thanked them as a way of elevating the idea of being queer so that children listening to what she was saying would think that that's something to aspire to be. She's encouraging kids to be queer. That's simply, that's, I mean, that's simply the fact of the matter. Then we have Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner came onto the stage Um, not because he was going to win an award, but he came on to promote his upcoming movie. His movie is a gay romantic comedy between two guys. Um, And why don't I let you listen to how he explains this? On September 30th, I have a movie coming out called Bros. Bros is making history as the first gay rom-com ever made by a major studio. And the first where every role is played by an openly LGBTQ actor, right? And I need you all there in theaters on September 30th, because we need to show all the homophobes like Clarence Thomas, and all the homophobes on the Supreme Court that we want gay love stories, and we support LGBTQ people. And we are not letting them drag us back into the last century 
because they are in the past and bros is the future are you with me bma I think it's hilarious that of all the people that he could have possibly named as being a homophobe, he, cho he chose Clarence Thomas. My bet is that 90% of the people in that room don't even know who Clarence Thomas is. They don't strike me as the type of people who could name all of the Supreme Court justices. Just a little guess on my part. I also, I never really understood why Hollywood strives to have the role of gay people in movies played by actual gay people. I never understood why it was a problem if a straight person played a gay role. Because isn't that what acting is? Acting is pretending to be a character that's not you. You're playing a role. Every single role that is played, I mean, it's not reality TV. And even in reality TV, I guess you could argue that they're not playing themselves. They're playing some caricature of themselves, but that's not what I'm talking about. In every movie, an actor is playing a different person. They're not bringing their own identity to the role. They're bringing their acting skills to the role. So I never understood why this is a thing in Hollywood, why gay people, why gay roles or gay characters in films have to be played by actual gay people. That's weird to me. That's very weird to me. Like what, if you have a dragon character, can it only be played by a real dragon? You can't have, you can't have anybody, any person who's not a dragon play the role of the dragon because that's co-opting the identity of the dragon. That's how stupid it is. That's how stupid it is. So Billy Eichner was the second example of this very, this very blatant grooming agenda. Let's just say it how it is. I know we're not allowed to say that on YouTube and we're not allowed to say that on Twitter, but we can say whatever we want here. The third example was Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny is a singer. If you don't know who it is, again, it's okay. Who during his performance kissed a male backup singer. Now Bad Bunny in the past has in music videos that he's made, has kissed both male and females, but has said, at the moment, I identify as a straight man, a straight man attracted to women at the moment. Like, that can just change. Okay, whatever. Now, there are plenty of photos and videos of this, of Bad Bunny kissing a male backup singer, but I'm going to leave that to you. If you want to see that, be my guest. Go hit up Google. Go look on Twitter. You can find that yourself. But the purpose of this is after he kissed this male backup singer and this was posted online, there were a lot of leftists who had a very strange reaction to this. Because Bad Bunny is not gay, because he is not LGBTQ, Bad Bunny was accused of what's called queerbaiting. What is queerbaiting? Well, according to the left, queerbaiting is when a non-queer person either pretends to be queer or takes part in queer behavior in order to get attention. So, I mean, and this is like, this is like headline news that Bad Bunny is getting so many accusations of queer baiting because this isn't the first time. Now, his, his response to this is, oh, I'm trying to mainstream queer behavior in support of the LGBTQ community. And I honestly don't care one way or the other. I don't care if he's trying to, I don't care if he's doing this to get attention or if he's doing it because he believes in the ideology. It's hilarious that once again, the left is trying to tell people who don't fit into their prescribed demographic that because you are not in this demographic, you are not allowed to say this word or do this word. It's like how rap music uses the N-word all the time, but God forbid a white person sing a rap lyric, right? Then you are the worst of the worst. You're basically trying to take the country back to Jim Crow laws, if not all the way back to slavery. If you say the rap lyric that the rap singer is singing on the radio, 
right? So this is the same thing. If, if you are not in the LGBTQ community, if you are not part of that, then you don't get to talk about it. What the, the left is so incredibly, so incredibly ridiculous. But the, the funniest part is this is actually what the entire MTV Video Music Awards was doing. I mean, they were, they were elevating queerness, constantly obsessively talking about it. Why? In order to attract more attention. They want to use this to attract attention, not just on themselves for the purposes of self-gratification, but they want to use it to attract more attention to being queer. They want to make sure that all of the children and all of the adolescents and all of the teenagers who watch MTV, who know who these celebrities are, who tune into the Video Music Awards, that they understand that Hollywood thinks queer is so cool that maybe you should be queer too. This is all part of what we talk about on the show, guys, all the time. This cultural Marxist agenda. And I know people are like, oh, using the word Marxist to describe everything. Is that just an empty threat? Do you actually have substantiation for what you're talking about? How do you know that someone going up on stage and saying, I want to thank all the queer kids who, you know, who, who brought me to this point, how can you possibly associate that with Marxism? Well, I, I will show you exactly how. But first, I want to talk to you about ExpressVPN. I like ExpressVPN because I don't trust the government or private companies not to snoop on me or snoop on my family when we're online. I want to protect my family's privacy. It's very important to me. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Internet service providers know every single website that you visit. Internet service providers can then sell this information to ad companies and to tech giants who then use your data to target you. Using the internet without ExpressVPN, if you will allow me this analogy, is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. You really want to keep your business private. <laughs> ExpressVPN is so easy to use. You just download the app on your phone or on your computer. You tap one button and voila, you are protected. I like ExpressVPN because when I'm researching the show or talking to you, I know my data is anonymized. It's encrypted and therefore I am protected. I know you'll like ExpressVPN too. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. And if you use my URL, you can get an extra three months free. Three months, that's a lot. Expressvpn.com slash Liz. Okay, so what do I mean when I say this overt queerness agenda in the MTV Video Music Awards is Marxism? Okay, so let's back up to the original Marxists, Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. They posited in their early work, in fact, in the Communist Manifesto itself, but in, in other works that surrounded what they were doing at the time, they posited that the destruction of the nuclear family, a marriage between one man and one woman who bore children and raised those biological children themselves, that the destruction of the family would happen as a result of Marxism. The reason that they proposed this destruction of the nuclear family is because they thought that the family, or their, their philosophy, called the family a thing that was not spiritually based, and not based in mutual benefit, certainly not based in love. Engels actually called marriage the subjugation of one sex by the other, so lovely men, these two, um, they thought the family was only a thing that was required in a capitalist society. They said, in a capitalist society, you have to make these units in order to survive. Okay, so they said when the capital, when capital is destroyed, so too would be the family because in their world, there was no other reason for the nuclear family. This was a very interesting philosophy by Marx and, and Engels because Marxism came first. 
or the Marxist revolution was supposed to come first, and the result of that Marxist revolution would be the inevitable destruction of the nuclear family. Well, fast forward to the 1920s and 1930s, and enter the scene Antonio Gramsci. We've talked about Antonio Gramsci on this show before, an Italian Marxist who was serving prison time in fascist Italy because he criticized Mussolini. While he was in prison, he wrote the prison notebooks, which were his compilation of all of the Marxist theories organized in the way that he thought was best. It was kind of his addition to existing Marxist theory. And it was Antonio Gramsci who first proposed the idea that a Marxist revolution would not happen based just on a on the discontent of the worker class. That there would not be a worker-led re- revolution to overthrow the ruling elite because it simply hadn't happened that way since the original Marxists, Marx and Engels, proposed this idea. He said there needs to be a new vanguard who is, who, this new vanguard must be re-educated. And in order to propel this new vanguard to actually overthrow the ruling class, we first have to disassociate the population, the the uh, proletariat from the cultural institutions on which they rely. If if the people, if the people, uh, the workers, if you will, rely on the values and the belief systems of the ruling class, like the family, like church, like nation state, then they will not overthrow the ruling class. So first we have to destroy these institutions on which they rely. And then they will be adequately re-educated and will be propelled to overthrow the ruling class. So Antonio Gramsci sort of just flipped Marxism into cultural Marxism. That's what we're seeing in our country right now. But Antonio Gramsci specifically focused on the family. If a family is destroyed first, and not as an inevitable result of Marxism, as Marx and Engels proposed, but if the family is destroyed first, then Marxism will soon follow. Gramsci's theory is Um, destroying civil institutions. He called it civil society in order to topple government institutions, which he called political society. So this is what's happening at the MTV Awards. This is what we're seeing from these, these major leftist organizations and institutions in our country. We're seeing this deliberate assault on the family, this deliberate assault on marriage between one man and one woman, because if there is no such thing as man, if there is no such thing as woman, if there is no such thing as a traditional relationship, because there is no such thing as traditional gender, the nuclear family falls apart. And so where do these cultural Marxists aim? They aim for children. Because this is not something they're going to be able to aim at already existing nuclear families. They're not going to be able to take a married man and a married woman and say, actually, let me tell you how gender really is. Men and women across the country are going to be like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm married to my husband. I'm married to my wife. Like, what are you talking about? And so these cultural Marxists focus first on the formation of the next generation on children. And they're trying to indoctrinate and brainwash children so that the family becomes obsolete because they've ruined traditional relationships, because they've destroyed gender. They've destroyed objective truth here. So what the MTV Video Music Awards is doing is engaging in cultural Marxism with the purpose of destroying the nuclear family, right? Well, enter the New York Times the same weekend as the MTV VMAs. The New York Times publishes an article. Let me bring it up here. The the headline of which is, Maternal Instinct is a Myth that Men Created. That's the headline of the piece. This piece went viral because, well, because I've never read anything that's more anti-woman than this article. These these people who (laughs) publish, the New York Times is a garbage outlet, but the people who write for the New York Times the people who the New York Times deliberately chooses to publish their work, these are 
liberals masquerading as intellectuals, but they're not. They are Marxists. This is this is the most anti-woman, the most anti-mother thing that I've ever that I've ever read. It's more demeaning to women than many rap songs that I've heard. You know how women are depicted in rap music. This from the New York Times might be worth the the only good thing, the only redeeming quality of this article is it shows us the left's true colors. It shows us who they are and it shows us their political goals. It shows us what they actually think from us. I was completely disgusted reading this article. So I thought, well, why don't we read this together so we can be disgusted together? So the article starts talking about a woman who is disillusioned by motherhood. And the author of this piece, let me read the author's name of this piece, is Chelsea Conaboy. Chelsea Conaboy, and this is her byline. Ms. Conaboy is a journalist specializing in health and the author of the forthcoming book, Mother Brain, How Neuroscience is Rewriting the Story of Parenthood. Okay, so you get an idea of who this of who this Chelsea woman is. This is what she writes. All around her swirled near rapturous descriptions of the joys of new motherhood. They all celebrated the same thing. The woman who was able to instantly intuit and satisfy her baby's every need and to do it all on her own. That's my experience with motherhood. <laughs> That's not realistic. That's not realistic. But she wants to generalize. She wants to stereotype because she has to create a false premise to even build her article on. She was Ms. Niles wondered what was going on. Of course, she was aware of the baby blues and knew women who suffered from postpartum depression, but what she took issue with was something more fundamental about how our culture approaches motherhood. Where did the idea that motherhood is hardwired for women come from? Is there a man behind the curtain? In a sense, she writes, there is a man behind the curtain, many of them actually. The notion that the selflessness and tenderness babies require is uniquely ingrained in the biology of women, ready to go at the flip of a switch, is a relatively modern and pernicious one. It was constructed over decades by men selling an image of what a mother should be, diverting our attention from what she actually is and calling it science. Okay, so first of all, it's funny how the left always has to paint women as victims. They have, the left always paints women as not enough. The left always has to pit men against women. Men as the oppressors, women as the oppressed. And this is what this is what she's doing in this article. This is not about women's identity. This is not about women's empowerment. This is not about the strength of women or what it means to be a mother. This is demonizing men, accusing what some white men in the mid-20th century of constructing, socially constructing the idea of mother's instinct to, to fit their political purposes. It's absurd. It's it's completely absurd because that would be giving an awful lot of credit to these these men in the mid 20th century if they could not only socially construct this but biologically hardwire into not just adult human females but mammals and organisms from time immemorial this motherly instinct to protect and nurture our young because you, if you zoom out here for a second and take away, I guess, the spirituality of the thing. And we'll get to that in a minute. But if you take the spirituality out and just look at it from a biological standpoint, what is the primary biological purpose of organisms? The primary biological purpose is reproduction. To pass on our DNA. Part of this instinct to reproduce and pass on our DNA is a preservation instinct to protect our young in order to pass on that DNA. This is purely secularly biological, if you think that biology can be separated from religion, which for the sake of her argument, will entertain for a moment. But literally women biologically are structured, our entire beings are structured to carry babies, pregnancy, to feed babies, 
to sleep with our babies. Not to be too graphic here, but women lactate when their babies cry. We have a a physical reaction, a hormonal reaction based on the connection that we have with our baby's needs. That's not something a man created in the mid 20th century to try to oppress women. This is biology. We have hormones. Our sleep cycles coincide with our babies unless we deliberately break that bond. We have separation anxiety, another hormone that's not socially constructed by some man who wants to oppress us, but something that's hardwired into our biology as females, not just as human females, but as a female of 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 an animal species. She goes on to say, it keeps us from talking about what it really means to become a parent. You'll notice she stopped using the word mother there for a second, because remember, we're not mothers, we're birthing people. What it means to become a parent, and it has emboldened policymakers in the United States, generation after generation, to refuse new parents, and especially mothers, the support that they need. So this, of course, is the crux of Chelsea Conaboy's article in the New York Times. She has a political agenda. Her political agenda just requires her to demean women, to belittle motherhood, to erase, pretend to erase our biological and spiritual instincts to care for our children, to simply render that as, oh, any any babysitter, any caregiver can do that. You have nothing special, you being the mother of your child. Your value is found in the workplace, not in the home. It's political. It, it, it tells women. It's such, it's such, she used the word pernicious. She is propagating a pernicious lie to young women, telling young women that you are not enough on your own. You are not equipped to be a mother without the help of government, without big daddy government coming in. She even gets more specific about her political agenda, which we'll get into in a moment. But who are these men that she blames? She blames many men, actually, who perpetuate this idea that there is a motherly instinct and a biological motherly instinct. She blames religion and she blames science. Surprise, surprise. We're going to talk about that. But first, I want to talk to you about Beam Dream. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? And if you sleep less than six to seven hours per night, it's linked to reduced white blood cell count. Yeah, not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important, not just to how you feel, but also to your body's overall health. Well, let me tell you, a better tomorrow starts tonight. Introducing Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today, you get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural, sleep-promoting, premium ingredients. It's triple lab-tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. In fact, 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream. And 99% of people experience better sleep quality. All you do is you mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, you stir it, and enjoy it 30 minutes before bedtime. If you don't love it, you can get your money back guaranteed. For a limited time, you can get $20 off if you go to my URL. It's beamorganics.com slash Liz and use my promo code Liz at checkout. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use promo code L-I-Z for $20 off at checkout. Beamorganics.com slash Liz. Okay, so who does Chelsea Conaboy blame? She blames religion and she blames science. She says, to understand just how urgently we need to rewrite the story of motherhood, how very fundamental and necessary this research is, it's important to know how we got stuck with the old telling of it. She said, modern Christian archetypes of motherhood were shaped by two women. There was Eve, who ate the forbidden fruit, and in doing so, caused the suffering of every human to come. And there was the Virgin Mary, the vessel for a great miracle, who became the most virtue-laden symbol of motherhood there is, her identity entirely eclipsed by the glory of her maternal love. 
Mary's story combined with Eve's unattainable goodness, perpetual servitude, created a moral model for motherhood that has proved for many stifling and unforgiving. Isn't that sad when someone says something like this without ever picking up the Bible and reading about the truth of both Eve and Mary and how the, the, the integral part they both played in your and my salvation? This is what happens when you're ignorant. You fall for, you fall for well, lies. Chelsea Connaboy says, still for centuries across time and culture, the status of a mother within religious society was not entirely limited to child rearing. The home was the seat of economic production as well as a place of politics, education, and religious activity. But the Industrial Revolution pushed the walls closer together, moving people from farm to factory and separating work and home. Of course, many American women, disproportionately women of color and immigrants, did continue to work. Nevertheless, the rise of industrialization ushered in a major shift in the domain of women from one of economic participation and production to one of domesticity and consumption. So I will say, to give her a little credit, <laughs> um, and I'm laughing because she gets it wrong by accidentally getting it right, it is, it is correct that the idea of motherhood and what it means to be a mother is intricately tied to our spirituality, to our faith, to the Bible, to the reality of what God created woman to be. This was not something that was stifling. It's not something that's unforgiving. It's something that is incredibly important. And you can you can pretend that spirituality and biology are not intricately linked. You can operate in your life um, as if first principles don't exist. You guys, we talk about first principles often, you know, that men can only be men and women can only be women. And that simply exists. It's not derived from some other truth. It's not a combination of two things. It simply exists. Just like our constitution, the constitution of the United States is based on the idea of natural law, that we are endowed by our creator with unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that government instituted among men derives their just power from the consent of the government. They have no authority, in other words, to override or violate those rights which just exist. Why do they exist? Because God ordained those rights. They, they exist not because they are a combination of other things or because we've earned them, but just because they are. You can go through your life and you can reject Christ. You can ignore Christ. You can pretend that all that exists is the secular, but that doesn't mean that what's religious doesn't exist. It still does whether or not you acknowledge it. So in a sense, Chelsea Connaboy gets it correctly when she says, well, the role model for motherhood exists in the Christian religion. It is exemplified in the Bible by Mary, the mother of God. That's true. But then, of course, she gets it wrong by claiming that that's stifling and unforgiving. So she says, the Industrial Revolution shrunk women's role in society. And this is where she just gets it completely opposite. What happened during the Industrial Revolution and thereafter is they needed women in the workforce. They needed women to work outside the home. And since women have a natural instinct to want to raise their children, to be with their children, to nurture their children, to be homemakers, this is simply something that women tend to want to do. Studies show that women want to be with their children if they can and want to be with their children more than many are able to be with their children in our modern day. The people who needed women in the workforce needed to convince women why they should be in the workforce, why they should say yes to working outside the home. So what did they do? They belittled motherhood they demeaned homemakers. They told women that their true value was not in raising and rearing children, but was in the amount, what was equal to, their value was equal to the amount of money that they brought in in their paycheck every week. This, this obviously, the, the man-hating feminists who claimed that they were fighting for equal rights for women, this played right into, right into their political agenda at the time. They wanted to 
separate men from women because they were abused women who really did have 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 so much anger and so much hatred towards men. And so all of this play, played played into each other. And that's what happened from the time of the Industrial Revolution to modern day. Not that the Industrial Revolution somehow relegated women as, as insignificant. No, the political forces did that. So then Chelsea Gonaboy goes on to talk about social Darwinism. So religion and science, she said, have relegated women to where they are. She goes, in the 1980s, Charles Darwin and other evolutionary theorists upended how we thought about human nature, shifting the focus from faith to biology. What a strong feeling of inward satisfaction must impel a bird so full of activity to brood day over day over her eggs, Darwin wrote in The Descent of Man and Selection in Relation to Sex in 1871. Observant as he was, Conaboy writes in the New York Times, Darwin apparently ignored the hunger of the mother bird and the angst of having mouths to feed and predators to fend off. He didn't notice her wasting where wing meets body from her own unending stillness. So, I mean, talk about rewriting a story, right? Now we're criticizing nature and saying that even birds don't want to be mothers. Like, what? What? She goes, women are specialized to care for other humans and men to compete with them, Darwin explained. By that basic fact, Darwin argued, men achieve higher eminence in virtually all things from the use of their senses to reason and imagination. She says another social Darwinist, McDougall, wrote that as a person's intelligence grows, parental instinct declines unless countered by social sanctions that discourage birth control, divorce, or the erosion of gender roles. The education of women was therefore a major concern for McDougall, this other social Darwinist, a eugenicist for whom maintaining maternal instinct was linked with maintaining white supremacy. So you'll see what she did here. A classic leftist move. If you want to acknowledge the reality of maternal instinct, well, you must be part of a structure, an institutional structure of white supremacy. I don't think so. I don't think so. In fact, in our modern era, what the argument that she's making has been thoroughly debunked, that education reduces maternal instinct. That's actually opposite of what's true. In fact, the more information, take a woman who is pregnant and who is considering abortion, who goes into, not a Planned Parenthood because they won't offer this to her, but goes into a crisis pregnancy center and the crisis pregnancy center says, let me offer you an ultrasound so that you can see the unborn child growing in your room, in your womb. What happens is that a woman who has more information, who is more educated about her pregnancy, about her body, is more likely to choose life, is more likely to listen to that maternal instinct because the science, the education, the information gives her substance to her hormonal, intrinsic maternal instinct. It's completely the opposite of the argument that she's making. Then Chelsea Conaboy goes on to say, and throughout the 20th century, a chorus of psychoanalysts, psychiatrists, and child development experts declared mother love to be an important, as important to the emotional development of children as vitamins are to their physical development. As the, historic, as the historian Marga Facetto writes in The Nature and Nurture of Love, where before a mother's role was seen as encouraging her child's capabilities through education and good rearing, now experts insisted it was a specific kind of love that only a mother could give that would determine a child's future, an idea that would grow roots and fuel maternal guilt for generations. She makes these claims fuel maternal guilt for generations without any kind of substantiation. This, is, this should fuel the privilege of being a mother that you have that much influence over your child. It should elevate the role of being a mother to one of the most highly respected roles in our entire society because it's a mother who is responsible, who is the primary influence for how that child turns out to be as an adult. Again, even putting spirituality aside from it, which of course you can't do. You can't, you can't disentangle spirituality from biology because being a mother 
is more important than anything else in our society. It's more important than being a soldier. It's more important than being the president of the United States because you are shepherding a soul towards eternity. Where that soul spends eternity is in question, but you as a mother are uniquely responsible for shepherding that soul back to its creator. You have taken part in the work of our creator in creating that life in your womb. You simply can't separate motherhood from spirituality. You can pretend to, as I said about first principles, you can refuse to acknowledge that they are intricately intertwined, but just because you ignore it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It does. It does exist. There, there's nothing more important to humanity, nothing more important to a country, nothing more important to a man, whether he knows it or not, nothing more important to a woman, whether or not she acknowledges it, than being a mother because of the spiritual implications of shepherding a soul that God has created back to the one who created it. Chelsea Conaboy goes on to say, belief in maternal instinct and the deterministic value of mother love has fueled, quote unquote, pro-family conservative politicians for decades. The United States, to its shame, she writes, still lacks even a modest paid leave policy and universal childcare remains far out of reach. Here's where we come back to her political agenda. She goes, the attitude was evident in March 2021 when an Idaho state representative, Charlie Shepard, announced in remarks he later apologized for that he could not vote for a bill that would use some $6 million in federal grants to support early childhood education because it made it more convenient for mothers to come out of the home and let others raise their, raise their child. Remember what they mean when they say early childhood education. They mean universal pre-K or government subsidized daycare. She goes, it's a belief that isn't always stated so blatantly, but seems to dictate local and national policies. President Biden's Build Back Better package would eventually be stripped of its paid leave plan, along with a nearly $400 billion investment in affordable childcare and universal preschool. And there we go. She goes, belief in maternal instinct may also play a role in driving opposition to birth control and abortion for why should sh women limit the number of children they have if it is in their very nature to find joy in motherhood? A 2019, by the way, that's not the position of pro-life activists. The position of pro-life activists is that the baby is a separate human being with unique DNA than the mother's body. And therefore, we don't have a right to kill another human being for our own convenience. She ignores that, of course. She goes, a 2019 article published by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, a Christian anti-abortion policy group, claimed that the ultrasound machine has been the pro-life women's strongest asset in recent years because once a woman is informed of her pregnancy, her maternal instinct will often overpower any other instinct to terminate her pregnancies. Why then, Conaboy writes, should the law consider the impact of pregnancy on the life of a person who has the full force of an instinct stronger than even fear itself to gird her in the task? Well... She goes, the myth of maternal instinct places a primacy on biological mothers, suggesting that routes to parenthood fall into two categories, natural and other. It sustains outdated ideas about masculinity that teaches fathers that they're secondary, assistants and babysitters, and encourages mothers to see them that way too. It undermines the rights and recognitions of same-sex couples and transgender and non-binary parents whose ability to care for their children is often questioned. Okay, so the entire purpose of this article 
is exactly the same as the MTV Video Music Awards. It's cultural Marxism. It's an assault on the nuclear family. MTV comes after children trying to destroy gender so as to destroy traditional relationships, to destroy marriage, to destroy the nuclear family. And the New York Times and this woman comes after women, comes after mothers, tries to degrade that which we are as women. Why? To destroy the nuclear family, to destroy marriage, to destroy child rearing, to farm that out to the state, to the state, to the government. I mean, listen to the political, her political wish list is all transferring the role of a mother to the role of a government agent. She wants children to be raised in indoctrination centers run by the federal government. Because what, the government can love and nurture your child better than you can yourself? It, it paid leave, universal free childcare from the government, abortion. This is Marxism. She is a Marxist. The reality of motherhood is, is tricky in our nation. Our culture, our modern American society has messed up. We have lost the art of what it means to be a family. We have demeaned and insulted and belittled women and what it means to be a mother, what it means to stay home, what it means to be a homemaker. We've imposed these traumatic births on women instead of understanding and encouraging natural birth, which is not typically as traumatic. We've ignored the art of breastfeeding. We've bought into the fed is best narrative, which is not accurate. We've lost the art of co-sleeping and instead culturally enforced sleep training on women through fear and intimidation from pediatricians. We've objectified women's bodies, made them sexual objects, not, not, not within the context of their own marriage, but made them sexual objects publicly to the point that women struggle with any perceived imperfection that might happen to their bodies after pregnancy or breastfeeding. The fertility industry has commodified women. Contraception has harmed women. We don't have a community unless you are part of a countercultural community that supports these aspects of what it means to be a, a woman, what it means to be a mother, what it means to listen to your mother's intuition and follow your natural instinct to be a mother. We've become a very godless society. In this godless society, we have elevated self. We've idolized self. We've become extremely selfish instead of sacrificial. We have failed women, we have failed mothers, but it's not because some men sometimes somewhere decided to construct this false idea that women are innately intended to be mothers and have natural instinct on how to care and nurture, their, care for and nurture their young. That is something that's inherent to us. And the only people that are trying to destroy that are the radical leftist Marxists who pretend that to be a mother makes you less of a woman. Well, I'm here to tell you today that that is not only a lie, that is cultural Marxism. I'd like to invite you to join me at NatCon in Miami, Florida. This is a great conference I attended last year. It is from September 11th through 13th in Miami, Florida. It is NatCon. You can visit their website at natcon.org, natcon.org. If you, when, when you're on their website signing up for the conference, if you, they'll ask you, how did you hear about the conference? And if you mention my show, The Liz Wheeler Show, you can get $100 off your um, admission fee. That'll bring it to only $215 to get in for the whole conference. This really is a great conference. It's where public figures and journalists and scholars and students, it's really a group of young professionals who are dedicated 
to determining which branch of liberty our founders intended and which best serves our society, meaning the John Lockean, more libertarian idea of liberty or Edmund Burke's idea of ordered liberty. This is a debate that's raging in the conservative movement and the Republican Party. This is a very, very, um, when a, a cerebral conference. This is, you will learn so much. It's so fun. This group is um, incredibly influential, incredibly smart and well-informed. I invite you to join me. I'll be there the whole time. NatCon org N-A-T-C-O-N.org. All right, join us over on Locals. We're going to talk about Brittany Aldean. Brittany Aldean is the wife of Jason Aldean, the famous country star. And Brittany Aldean got embroiled in controversy this weekend when some liberal country music stars piled on her for making a joke about transing kids. And it's really a very pertinent joke. Um, so I have a message for Brittany Aldean. I have a message for the country music industry as a whole. And you're not going to want to miss that. So join us at lizwheelershow.com slash locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code, which is access, you can watch for free for the first month of your annual subscription. That's lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. 